And as we turn to Romans chapter 3, let me just tell you a story I heard from a preacher that used to preach and pastor in Custer, South Dakota. Years ago when I was a teenager, uh, Pastor William Byers uh, had used to be in Custer, South Dakota. Some of you were under him at the uh, Berean Bible Church downtown, and that would have been years ago. But he came over to Wyoming where I was, and as a teenager he preached, and I heard him several times over there. And he would tell the story about how he was driving down the highway, and he saw a speed limit sign, and it said 55 miles per hour. And about a mile later, he saw another sign, and it said 55 miles per hour. He went about another mile, and he saw another sign, and it said 55 miles per hour. And about that time, he said something to himself like this. Good grief, the highway department wastes so much tax dollars on signs. And then he looked down at his speedometer, and he was doing 63 miles per hour. And... I tell you that story because the sermon I'm going to preach today, I'm finding myself preaching it every year, once a year. It's because we continue to need to hear the word of God. And even though you might have heard this before, if you've been in our church for any length of time, I look back and I saw that I used to preach it every other year. And then the last few years, it's just been every year. But it's such a great truth. There's such a reminder in it. There's such a need for us to remember it and to practice it over and over again. And it really isn't a waste of time or a waste of tax dollars in God's economy to be reminded every mile or so of something we need to remember, what we need to be reminded of. And that is this idea of mercy and truth. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 6, it says, By mercy and truth, iniquity, which is sin, is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, that is the truth. We are all sinners. If you don't know what sin is, it is anything that is a crime against God. It is anything that violates God and what God would have us to be. Everybody in this room and everybody on planet earth is a sinner. That's the truth. And what we're going to understand is that truth and mercy go together in a beautiful way. Now, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. And I'm going to just stop there. The first half of the verse. The wages. Now, what are wages? All have sinned. Wages are what you've got coming to you. That's what wages are. I think most everybody in here understands wages. It's the payment for our sin. So the wages of sin is what? Death. All right, fact number one, truth number one, all people sin. Truth number two, all people die. The reason why all people die is all people sin. These are facts. That's just the truth, all right? Now, You've got to embrace this truth if you're going to be saved. Years ago, I was knocking on doors in Custer, South Dakota, and I knocked on someone's door, and I was talking to them about salvation and about the fact that we are all sinners. And you know what I found out? I found out that not everybody thinks that. There was a lady that stood there right outside. uh, I stood outside her door. She stood there and said, I'm not a sinner. And I, I said, Ma'am, the Bible says we're all sinners. She said, I'm not a sinner. And she slammed the door. 
and I kept moving on. Now, here's something else about reality. Whether you face reality or not, it's still reality. I can stand outside on the highway today, just right out there, and I can stand on the highway. Madison, I want to ask you to come sit on the front row, okay? Come sit right here on the front row, all right? Madison knows how to do that, and I want her to do it for me. I can stand right out on the highway, right out there, and I can stand out on that highway, and I can say to myself, there are no snowplows. There are no snowplows. But sooner or later, reality will hit me about 60 miles an hour. So you can say, I am not a sinner. I am not a sinner. You can say that your whole life, but reality will hit you someday, okay? So truth is something you have to embrace because if you don't embrace truth, you'll never find mercy, all right? And mercy is something all of us want. So the truth is all have sinned and because of that, all will die. Here's the mercy though. The second part of chapter six, verse 23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the mercy. You know how many people God has to save just because? Zero. Do you know how many people deserve to be saved and go to heaven? Zero. So everybody who is in heaven is in heaven because of the grace and mercy of God. Everyone who receives the gift of salvation and forgiveness receives it only because of the mercy and grace of God. We don't deserve to be there. No one owes me heaven. God doesn't owe me heaven. In fact, God doesn't owe me tomorrow. God doesn't owe me all the blessings he has already given me. He didn't owe me those. And so understand that there's two sides to this beautiful coin called mercy and truth. And I want you to understand this important thing today. It is so important because this really is about everything in life. Everything that matters, everything pertaining to God and his word, this is what matters. If you do not know yet that you're a sinner and you're still arguing that, you will never understand and never receive the mercy of God and you'll never receive the grace and the forgiveness and salvation. You must believe and admit that you are a sinner and that the wages of your sin is death. And the Bible says in Revelation, there is a second death, which is the lake of fire. This is why people are scared of death because it's just the door to the next one, the second death. That is the reality. People can deny all that all they want to, but all you got to do is look around. We are all sinners. There's no doubt about it. And the wages of sin is death, but the mercy is the gift of God is eternal life. Now, chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, verse nine. Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says this that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, in there, you've got again the truth. Here's the truth. Jesus died, but you know what? He's not dead now. He rose again. Jesus is alive. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath what? Raised him what? From the dead. Is Jesus dead or is he alive? The historical, in fact, history proves, in fact, people will say there really was a Jesus and he did die and he was martyred or crucified or punished, however they want to say it, over there in the Middle East. But they will not believe or they will not trust in the fact that he arose three days later. Listen, the truth is he didn't just die, he also rose again three days later. That's the truth. 
years ago, I was talking to a young man from eastern South Dakota, and he was at Star Academy, and I was talking to him about Easter. It, was, it happened to be Saturday before Easter, and I was talking to him about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and I was explaining to him this very verse, and I said, did you know that Jesus died on the cross? So I, I mean, I heard you say that. I guess so. And then I said, did you know three days later? Do you know what happened three days later? And I'm looking at him like, you know what happened three days later. And he's looking at me like, I don't know what happened three days later. I said, you know what Easter's about, right? Bunny, like eggs or something? He, he was serious. This is like 17, 18 years old. I said, three days later, he rose from the grave. He, he looked at me and said, get out. He didn't believe it. He never heard it. I'm talking about South Dakota, USA. Folks, it is true that he died, but the real truth that we need to understand, he died for our sin. And three days later, he conquered death. Otherwise, what's the point? Does anybody know what day he rose from the grave? The first day of the week. You know, don't you? And that's why we have Sunday church. Because we're represented, we're, re, we're, we're celebrating the fact that he is alive. And we're, we're every, we don't wait till Easter. We celebrate it every Sunday, the first day of the week. He rose from the grave. This is truth. And if you can admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin will send me to death and hell, but that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sin as a holy, perfect, sinless, righteous God, and he paid for me on the cross. And three days later, he proved that he can conquer death by coming back to life. That is truth. And unless you can admit and confess that and believe that, you can't have the mercy. Because the mercy is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, can you just bypass all that and say, dear God, save me. Can you, just, can you just bypass the part about Jesus dying to be your Savior and rising again? Can you just skip that? No. You have to believe the truth and own up to the truth if you want the mercy of salvation. See, these two things have to go together. This is why as much as I want everyone to be saved, just like God's not willing that any should perish, just as much as I would want all those children in the other room right now to be saved, I cannot say, okay, kids, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, save me. Because they've got to acknowledge truth first. Years ago, a little boy named Sam Furs came to me and said he wanted to get baptized. Little Sam Furs. You want, you want to get baptized? Yeah, I want to get baptized. Well, we just had communion. And his mother had just said to him, No, Sam, you can't take communion because you haven't been saved yet. And if you're not saved, you haven't been baptized yet. After your salvation is baptized, and you, you haven't been saved or baptized, so you can't receive communion. And he watched his older brother, and he watched his older sister. And so Sam came up to me a day or two later and said, I want to get baptized. Now, I knew that that conversation had happened, and so I knew why Sam wanted to get baptized, so that he could have communion. Now, how many of us get a warm, fuzzy feeling when our children say, I want to get baptized? I want to be saved. Oh. But I had to find out something. Does Sam understand truth? I said, Sam, why do you want to get baptized? Well, he grew up in a pastor's home, so he knows the answer. He said, because I'm saved? I said, Sam, what is saved? Well, I prayed for salvation. What what does that mean? Well, um, Jesus died on the cross. Okay, but what does that mean? What were you saved from? 
Sin. I said, Sam, what is sin? Drinking. Now, I happen to know Sam, and at age five, he, hadn't, he didn't have a drinking problem. He still doesn't. I said, what's another sin? Smoking. He's not a smoker. I said, Sam, can you think of any other sins? How about any sins that you have? He couldn't think of any sins that he had. I said, Sam, what about just the other day when you stole Joshua's candy bar? You know, little five-year-old Sam would admit that he was a sinner. He would admit that people who drink and smoke are sinners, but he wouldn't admit that he was a sinner. Listen, Sam can't have the mercy of God until he embraces the truth of God. We got to be very careful about what we say, even to young people or anybody, about salvation. Because salvation is about two things. Truth, you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell, not just sinner in general, but you are. Your sin will send you to hell someday, you. And once you understand that, you can have the mercy of God. Sam doesn't have to list all of his sins, and, but he has to understand that he himself is a sinner. And, and you can know this for a fact that since that time, he has truly gotten saved. But I hope you're understanding the point. Look at 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 9. If we confess our sins. The idea of confess. Confession in, in this biblical word. I know there's confession on Saturday nights to some priest behind a closet door. But biblical confession if we confess our sin, we're, it's, it's, it's like we're saying we agree with God. God is saying it so, and we're agreeing with God. That's what confession is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even after we're saved, we continue to confess our sins. He is a faithful and just. I don't have to go to some human. I have the Lord as my high priest. And the truth is, we have to confess our sins. I don't, I don't care who you are. Every one of us need to confess our sins from day to day to day. We just have to. I mean, I, there's hardly a day goes by that I don't think or do something that I shouldn't do. I, I don't need to confess them to you necessarily, unless it involved you. But I need to confess them to the Lord. And that's what we are to do. That's owning up to the truth. And listen, keep your accounts very short with God. Even as a believer, keep them short with God. And understand that keep, keep those things honest before God. In our home, what we, what we have tried to emphasize, even, even though our children are now adults, what we have tried to emphasize over and over again is one of the most important things in all of our home life is truth. If our children were caught lying, it was a big Deal. It doesn't matter if it was a little lie. It was a big deal. And when dad sins, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but sometimes in our home, dad sins. You're supposed to look at me and go, oh. you didn't. You act like you knew that already. In our home, when dad sins, guess what dad's got to do? 
Why? Because if dad doesn't, then the whole thing about truth is a big joke. Mom, dad, it's a joke. We have to be honest about some things. Not as just some things, all things. They say honesty is the best policy, but the truth is honesty is the only policy. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. That's the mercy part. And I don't know about you, but I have done ugly sins. And the more honest I am, the more ugly they are in my own heart and mind. The more ugly they appear to be, the more ugly they all of a sudden become into focus how ugly they are. It's like when Isaiah said in chapter 6, Isaiah said, woe is me. I just saw God, holy, 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 and I am unclean and I am undone. See, the truth is the hard part. As they say, the truth hurts. But it's only through the truth that you're going to get and I'm going to get the mercy of God. See, by mercy and truth together, iniquity is purged. Everybody loves mercy. But hardly any of us really appreciate truth for what it is. Now, let me show you from the Bible some examples of how this works in real life. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him who's coming after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And, and we're seeing that. The Antichrist spirit is in the world today and there's so much that's a lie that's being promoted as truth and there's so much truth that's being told to be a lie. Verse 10 says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So what are, this, what are these people's problem here? They won't receive what? The truth. They won't embrace and fall in love with the truth that they might be saved. We have such evil in our world today, and I want you to know Satan's the author of it all. Can I tell you something? Satan really doesn't care if you go to church. Satan has a lot of people going to church. Satan doesn't care if you get baptized. As long as you skip the first part, you got to get saved first. You got to be born again first. And, and so he has fooled many religious people into being baptized or to being a member of a church somewhere or doing this or that, but they've never been born again. And Matthew 7, Jesus said, many will come to me and say, Lord, don't you remember me? Lord, we've done such wonderful works in your name and cast out devils and blah, blah, blah. And he'll say some amazing, awful thing to them. I never knew you. but we were religious. That doesn't matter. You skipped the born again part. 
This is why many religions are actually serving Satan's plan. I wonder how many millions of people are in hell today that got baptized or catechized. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. One thing that's amazed me over the years is how, is how people think, well, S- Satan wouldn't do that. That wouldn't be fair. He is horribly lying. He's just a, he is the father of lies. He has no fairness in him. He has no truth in him. He's a complete liar. How dare us think, oh, well, he wouldn't, that wouldn't be playing fair. With all deceivable, I mean, he's all about deception. And he's fooling us, adults and young people alike. And then it says, they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So when God looks down and says, they want to believe a lie, there's even songs, tell me lies, tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Listen, I hope you're the type that doesn't like lies. Because if you aren't an honest person, you can't receive truth. You can't be, I remember years ago, there was a guy running for office in Newcastle. He said, I'm fairly honest. Everybody laughed. I think he meant it as a joke, but I think it's really probably true of most people. I'm fairly honest, unless I need to lie. Bible says, blessed is the man who swears to his own hurt and changes not. And what's amazing here is it says, God says, okay, you don't love the truth. I'm going to let Satan just fill your head full of lies. It says God allows them to have strong delusion. Do you understand it's the grace and mercy of God that even allowed you to hear truth and to to get it? If you're sitting here and you're not saved, but at least you understand it, that's a mercy of God that you at least understand it. And if you reject it today, I don't know that you'll get another chance. It could be that today you walk out the doors and God says, okay, from now on, you're just going to believe the lie. You had your chance. No one goes to hell because God forgot them. They went to hell because they chose to ignore something. And ignoring turns you into ignorant. And then there are Bible examples, and we won't be able to take the time to look at everyone, but Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is the story of the publican and the Pharisee. And in Luke chapter 18, it says that the Pharisee and the publican went up to pray to the temple. And it says in verse 10 of Luke 18, two men went into the temple to pray, one the Pharisee, the other the publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. What's a publican? I'm not talking about republican. This is different. What's a publican? A publican is someone who collects taxes, but instead of taking $15 for a couple's banquet, they take $17 for a couple's banquet. That's a publican. Watch out for those guys. Publicans were known to rip people off when they would collect the taxes. They weren't just IRS, they were cheats in the IRS. They They were skimming off the top and pocketing. That was a publican. But you know publicans can get saved? And it says, 
So here's the Pharisee. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. Never committed adultery. Or, 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 or even as the, he looks over, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. How impressed do you think God was of this prayer? First of all, what's missing? God, I'm a sinner. And that's everybody. Now notice the publican's prayer, verse 13. And the publican standing afar off because of his humble guilt would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. He asked for mercy, but you know why he got mercy? Because he said, I'm a sinner. I acknowledge truth about myself. And he, notice, he didn't talk about the Pharisee. He didn't, he didn't talk about anybody. He just said, God, I'm a sinner. And you know what's amazing? God looked down and said, only one of those two is being honest, and that one will get the mercy of God. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of this whole thing. Quickly, I don't have time to, to turn there, but in chapter 23, two men are hanging on crosses. Jesus is in the middle. Both of them are guilty. Both of them are thieves and robbers and have done wrong and deserve to die. And both of them at one point were cursing him. But then all of a sudden, one of them said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said to the other one, don't you know who this is? This is the son of God. And Jesus hanging on that cross, turned to him and said, today you'll be... Why? Because a thief hanging on a cross who was a blasphemer suddenly has a change of heart and realizes this is the son of God and he acknowledges truth and says, Lord, I know you're going to be in heaven soon. I need you to take me there too. And he acknowledges the truth and Jesus says, you can have my mercy. That's how it works. This is the principle of life. Then there's this woman in John chapter 4 at the well and she's a Samaritan and she's been married five times and the guy she's lived with now is not even one of the five husbands and she's there at this well and Jesus talks to her and Jesus explains to her who he is and tells her the truth and then even explores the truth about herself and says, you've been married five times, haven't you? And the guy you're living with is not even your husband. (gasps) Right then and there, she could have said, I'm out of here, you jerk. And she didn't, you know why? She embraced the truth. And you know what she found that day? The mercy of God. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. This is the truth. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's just the facts. That's the truth. And here's the amazing part, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit. You acknowledged what you were, and you got washed through the blood of Christ, and you have received the mercy of God. 
Everybody wants the mercy of God. Everybody wants God to be merciful. And a lot of people have this imaginary God who's just always merciful but never owns up to truth with anybody. Maybe that's how your dad or mom raised you. And I guarantee you this, if you take a vote with the kids, they all want to be raised that way. Just just mercy, mercy all the time. Just let me do what I want. And even if I'm bad, just don't let me be held accountable for any of it. And that's the kind of a God we think we are supposed to have because our parents and grandparents demonstrate a very wrong example of God. My kids know when, when things aren't being honest and things aren't being taken care of as they ought to be, there can't be mercy. But there is such a relief on the part of the parent when you know that they're being honest and they have already repented of whatever it was that they knew was wrong and there's mercy. So secondly, Proverbs 6, 16.6b 6, says, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh him shall have mercy. We all want our sins covered, but there's only one that can cover them, and that's the one who we go to and confess and forsake it. And once we confess and forsake our sin, which is exactly what truth is, then we can have mercy. But every one of us want our sins covered without confession or forsaking. Proverbs 28 verse 9 in Psalm 66 in verse 18 talks about if you, if you despise the law and you turn your, way, your ear away from hearing the law, even your prayer is an abomination. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And if you pray and you try to pray and talk to the Lord, and he says, what about that right there? And we just ignore his voice saying, what about that right there? That's regarding sin in our heart. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think there are lots of times I've prayed and I was wrong about something, but I didn't even know I was wrong about it. But in my praying, I wasn't, I wasn't under the guilt of that. It was, it, I was ignorant of it. But then there are things where I know I'm wrong and if I'm trying to pray when I know I'm wrong and I've regarded sin in my heart, it ruins my prayer, just like the Pharisee. Jonah chapter two and verse eight has this very unique verse. It says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. You might talk to someone sometime, I have, and they'll say, well, my pastor told me I'm good to go. What, what did he tell you? Well, my pastor didn't preach what you preach. My pastor just said that he said I was saved and he said I was, I'm good to go. So, so as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm going to heaven. Why? Because that pastor told me. But, but, but are you truly saved? Well, well I, I, I wasn't ever, you know, like you call it born again or I never prayed and asked. But, but, but that pastor baptized me and he was a good man. They that observe lying vanities... Can I tell you something? Politicians aren't the only one that lie to people. Preachers do it all the time too. You can get a lot more people to come if you tell them all they're Christians. You can get a lot more people to come if you rub them the right way all the time. But the truth hurts and we can't do that. We can't just rub people the right way all the time. That's called lying. And I have to live with myself. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I don't like what that dentist told me. I'm going to go find one that tells me what I want to hear. 
That doctor said, I have cancer. I don't like him. I'm going to go find one that tells me I don't. That preacher rubs me the wrong way. I ain't going, I'm not going back there anymore. I'll find one that tells me what I want to hear. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about the communion, as I mentioned earlier. You know what the communion service is for? Those of us that are Christians, all the time we need to be reminded of the fact that we're not perfect and we have sin. And what that does is it's an examination. In fact, it says, let a man examine himself. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And so the, the, the point is, is that we need to examine ourselves and examine our hearts. That's why it's only for Christians. It's, it's, it's a time for us to reflect and to realize the blood of Christ and the body of Christ was broken and shed for us on the cross. And oh, how big that deal was at the time. But now when I look at Jesus, I realize how filthy and rotten and selfish I've been. And a communion is a time to examine ourselves. That's why we do it randomly. We don't do it every week. And we don't even always announce it. Sometimes you just show up and there it is. It's a time for us to examine ourselves because the Bible says if we'll deal with truth on our own, we'll not have to be judged by him. Because even as believers, if we'll just deal with the truth and confess it, he won't have to come down and give us a spanking if we'll just deal with it on our own. Jeremiah chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me. Many want God's mercy, but few ever want his truth. Jeremiah 5 and verse 30 says, A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? And just like with politicians, eventually you get the pastors you want. You get the pastors who tell you what you want to hear. It's a, it's a, it's a horrible thing. And it happens. If that's what the people demand and the majority of the people demand, that's what the majority of the pastors end up being, is just ear ticklers, people who are told, telling them what they want to hear. I can't do that. I'm not supposed to do that. In chapter 6 and verse 16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. I realize that from time to time you might get offended at something you hear preached and taught in church. And before you even use it as an excuse, let me tell you, I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. And sometimes when I preach truth, I might preach it kind of harsh. Can I tell you something, though? We live in a snowflake world today, and anyone who tells us truth it rubs us the wrong way, and especially if they tell it to us without a nice bedside manner. And the point is this, though. It's still the truth. And if we decide that we're going to get rid of the messenger and that's going to fix the message, that's, we're just lying to ourselves. And I don't need anyone to come up and pat me on the back or anything like that, but I'm telling you right now, you need to appreciate people who preach the truth. 
And you need to appreciate politicians or anybody. And if your parents are mean, let me tell you something, you probably got good parents. If you've got a mean teacher and a mean principal and a mean bus driver, you probably have good ones. Because I've heard kids talk about mean before and I know what they mean by mean. They don't just let us do what we want. Many want God's mercy. And, and mercy is wonderful. I mean, it's not like we shouldn't want God's mercy. But just recently, our family had to deal with an issue and we had to talk to each other and confess and, and deal with issues in our life. And you know what? There's sweet, wonderful love and forgiveness and mercy. When all things are clear, when there's no more reserved excuses and it's all clear, And last Sunday I preached out of Psalm 23 and the last verse of Psalm 23 says this. It's talking about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So he's the shepherd. We're following him. We're the sheep. And the last verse says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, Jesus is the truth. And so literally what that's saying is, if I'll follow the truth, mercy will follow me. I need mercy to follow me. But mercy's only going to follow along as I follow him. And what I have learned is I need to just be honest with the truth. He is God. He is the word of God. Ladies, I'll tell you something my wife does, and I think it's very effective when she does it. There are times where she'll just say, but the Bible says that husbands are supposed to do this. That wasn't fair. You just used truth on me. I can't do anything but say, you're right. Because she knows I got to get up and preach next Sunday. Guys, if you're wrong and you don't get honest with truth, there's no mercy. Maybe someone in here has been lying to themselves about the fact that you know that your spouse or your child really isn't saved. And you just know it. It's it's your biggest fear you've got right now. And you're scared of it. It's a truth you don't want to face. Well, as long as you help and enable someone to think that way, guess what? But you know what will happen if you... But, but what will happen is I'm going to offend them. I'm going to make them really mad and blah, blah. Well, then you'll have real proof that you were right. But if you'll get honest with God, I'm going to tell you something will happen that hasn't been happening for you, and that is this. Mercy. And grace that you didn't realize before. 
And you can apply that to everything about us, everything about us. If we'll stop and say, I need to face my fears and I need to be honest with the truth and quit lying to myself and pretending and pretending and pretending and pretending. I got to forsake the lying vanities that I've been swallowing and wanting to hear over and over again. The Bible warns us that there would be preachers that would have tickling ears. They would just tickle our ears with what lies that they could tell us. Oh, I love that. Oh, tell me more. And we got to be honest about some things. We got to get honest about ourselves. Whether it's me or some other preacher like we had a few weeks ago preaches a message and we know that ding, 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 that's you right there. Uh, I don't have anything to talk to God about. You're lying. You couldn't possibly go for the rest of your life without having something to talk to God about. Something to confess and take care of. I need the mercy of God. I don't like dealing with truth because it hurts, but I need the mercy of God. In fact, right now, probably if there's any issues in my life or my family's life, it is this very subject right here. If there's any issues in our church family, it's this very subject right here. This is it. That's why it's got to be preached and reminded over and over and over again. Because Jesus, if you'll just read his life, he demonstrated how much he loved people who were just honest. People who were humble enough to say, Lord. One woman came to him and said, Lord, I know I don't deserve it. He said, he said I, I don't give the crumbs to dogs. I don't, I don't give anything to dogs. Calling this woman a dog. And she said, truth, Lord. But even dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the table. He looked at her and said, your faith is great. You have the mercy you want. Wow. And I think he did that. I think that whole thing happened to illustrate to all the other Jews who thought they weren't dogs and they were something special. That's the reason why you don't get mercy is because you all think you're something special and you're lying to yourself. And again, if there is someone here today that says, you know, I want the truth. I want the truth. But if I admit I'm not a Christian and that I need to get saved, then everyone will know that I wasn't a Christian. Well, let me tell you something. Every one of the born-again Christians in this room are going to say, whoopee, praise the Lord. We're not going to be upset. We're going to be excited that you got honest. Yeah, but I don't want to admit that I wasn't. Every one of us are liars. We're born liars. And if today you heard truth, don't reject it. Embrace it. And mercy will follow you. Let's close in prayer. Our heads are bowed. I'm going to pray.